1: FM Talk, On
0: Demand Audio. This is 97.1 FM Talk, and this is Wiggins America. Thank you so much to Dr. Phil Magnus who's joining me this morning. Dr. Phil, oh I don't want to call you Dr. Phil, that's not cool, right? I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But you're with the American Institute for Economic Research, and you've done something that I haven't seen a whole lot of people doing. It's called journalism.
1: So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been uh, <laughs> having to step up because uh, our news media has certainly dropped the ball on actual investigative work and reporting.
0: Absolutely. So uh, let's, instead of kind of peeling back the onion slowly here, let's dive right into your article, Forgetful Fauci's Deposition. All those lies are hard to keep straight. What is the big takeaway that you want people to know from all of your research and, and this article?
1: Yeah, so the big takeaway is that Anthony Fauci is lying about his own record, uh, both the actions that he took during the course of the pandemic and, in particular, his role in suppressing scientific dissent from the lockdowns. So in 2020, uh, AIER, our organization, hosted a conference that produced something called the Great Barrington Declaration. This was a scientific statement of the case against lockdowns. And what we discovered through Freedom of Information Act requests is right after that conference was launched and it started to go viral in the uh, the statement, Anthony Fauci and his then boss, Francis Collins, basically launched a plan to wage what they called, quote, a uh, devastating published takedown of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration by not challenging their scientific claims, but attacking them personally, calling them fringe epidemiologists, basically smearing them in the media. And we found direct evidence that this is the plan that the NIH put into action between Fauci and Collins over the next several days.
0: In in light of the Twitter files and, and the things coming out about Twitter, is what you're talking about, about Dr. Fauci and the NIH censoring other viewpoints, is that is is the Twitter files just kind of a part of a larger goal here from Dr. Fauci and NIH? I mean, are we seeing
1: different facets of the same prism here? I think that we are absolutely seeing different facets of the same prism, and they're being revealed almost simultaneously. So we know that uh, the NIH put pressure through the media and probably social media companies to... Uh, kind of tamp down on scientific dissent against the lockdowns, against the official position. They call it COVID misinformation. Uh, At the same time, we just learned through the Elon Musk files that were released the other day that one of the Great Barrington Declaration authors, Jay Bhattacharya, had his uh, Twitter account basically blacklisted to make sure that it didn't ever trend or uh, was not seen by uh, large audiences basically as retaliation from as far as we can tell for his role in the Great Barrington Declaration and for questioning Fauci in the lockdowns. Uh, so the mystery, I think, that we're going to get to the bottom of in the coming weeks as more files come to, uh, to light and as some of these lawsuits proceed is uh, actually answering the question of how much Fauci's own pressure on the media transferred over into uh, policies taken by some of these companies by, by Twitter.
0: Phil, explain to me the Great Barrington Declaration, because this isn't a term that even I, who, who you know, been in media, this isn't something that I've really heard a lot about. And why was it on Dr. Fauci's radar as something that he wanted to squash?
1: Yeah. So the Great Barrington Declaration was a document that came about from a, uh, a small academic conference we hosted at the American Institute for Economic Research. And this was in October 2020, when the second wave of lockdowns for COVID-19 was uh, under discussion. And it was basically a document laying out the scientific case against lockdowns, arguing instead that we should have taken more of a uh, Sweden-style focused protection, where you take measures to uh, to help people that are at high risk, like in in nursing homes, uh, the elderly that are vulnerable, but everyone else gets back to basically living their lives as normal. Uh, So it was the case against all of the policies that Anthony Fauci and the NIH had been pushing since the start of the pandemic, all the lockdowns. And uh, when we released it, it first starts to go viral, uh, get some attention in the media because it's someone uh, actually making the case against what the government's line had been. And this came from three doctors from, uh, with impeccable credentials out of uh, Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford universities, top epidemiologists and professionals in that field. So as soon as it's released, it seemed like Fauci and Collins and the NIH uh, uh, bureaucrats basically had a panic moment that scientists were challenging their uh, delivered wisdom on what we should have done during the pandemic. And rather than actually engaging a debate over the scientific merits of the claims, uh, they took a strategy of smearing, of trying to discredit, of trying to uh, tear down the reputations of the scientists themselves.
0: We're talking with Dr. Phil Magnus of AIER on Wiggins America. Let me ask you this, and not necessarily that this is something that I feel, but I know that there are criticisms out there right now of a lot of people who hear what we're talking about, and they go, you know what, though? That's all in the past. Why should we keep talking about Dr. Fauci? He's retiring. What, what is it that we need to get from this? As you look back at what's happened, what is it that we need to know now going forward?
1: Well, I think this is a lessons learned moment. Uh, We just have basically emerged from the last two and a half years of this unprecedented event in the history of our nation of a uh, massive wide scale lockdowns, very heavy handed government emergency responses to a pandemic uh, claims of power outside of the normal procedures of a democratic governance. They they invoked emergency powers in many cases to uh, implement some of these policies. And people are asking the question quite rightly, uh, Like, what was this all for? It doesn't seem that the lockdowns worked or delivered any of the promises that they were uh, sold to us on. Uh, So I think now is the time that we need to ask those questions of what happened. And part of what happened also means looking at our institutions and the figures that were involved in them, like Anthony Fauci, uh, where they erred, where they went wrong. uh, Because this is the first step that I think we need to restoring credibility in the public health arena. Is to you know look at the officials that made bad calls, uh, hold them accountable, uh, discover what we did wrong, and make sure that uh, our institutions are in place that we don't recur down that same path in the future.
0: As you've looked at this and researched this, Phil, is this a Dr. Fauci problem or is this an NIH problem?
1: I think it is unfortunately both. Uh, you know, one of the problems here is Fauci was. At the head of the NIH for 40 plus years. Uh, when you have a bureaucrat that becomes entrenched like that, he becomes politically powerful. What does the NIH look like after Fauci has departed? Well, I, I think they have a credibility problem that comes from uh, being under the leadership of the same person for so long, but they also have a credibility problem because that person engaged in politics rather than science. Uh, he was a skilled political actor and he steered the reputation of the agency in that direction. So they need to. Uh, really kind of do some damage control internally and depoliticize their own ranks.
0: I'm going to ask you a question here as we, as we kind of run out of time. It's, It's a big picture question. I just, this isn't necessarily related to research so much as just the sense that you get as you've been researching, but, you know, as you as you're releasing this article, it's right in the midst of looking at the corruption. You know, like I mentioned with the Twitter files, and we're finding out just how much big tech and media and corporations are working hand in hand with government agencies like the NIH, which is what you're talking about. Do you get the sense? that we are coming out of a dark era and now these things are coming to light and, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel because light is a great disinfectant. Or are we? is this indicative of just a new era that this battle is just beginning?
1: So I see some hope ahead. The fact that we are starting to get the Freedom of Information Act requests delivered, although there are people in the NIH that are still redacting, still trying to keep these documents from coming to light, but it seems like the pressure is growing. In Fauci's case, he just three weeks ago, he was ordered uh, by a federal judge to be deposed by the Attorney General of Missouri, where they grilled him mm-hmm. over his role in these documents. And he basically lied his way there, but uh, now we at least have that as a matter of public record. Uh, as the new House of Representatives takes effect in January, I can see them moving forward with investigations that have been stonewalled for the past several years. Uh, so I think there are a lot of signs that... Uh, It's inevitable something will be investigated. Some of these uh, pieces of information that have been hidden will come to light. And with that, I think it's going to be very eye-opening for the public with what they get to see as they peek behind the curtains of an agency that was presenting itself as the science, but it was really just a political actor.
0: Well, Dr. Phil Magnus, I feel like we have just touched on the, the high level, just the, the peaks of the iceberg sticking out here. There's so much more to what you have discovered and, and what's in your... If, you, if people want to go and read more in depth about what you found, uh, where do you want to direct them to get this article?
1: So I would urge them to go to www.aier.org and we post copies of all the emails that we found through the Freedom of Information request, all the public records that we've come to light. Uh, So they're available there for uh, readers to see with their own eyes, at least the non-redacted parts, so aier.org.
0: Aier.org, that's American Institute for Economic Research. Dr. Phil Magnus, appreciate your time and your work this weekend.
1: Get more at 971talk.com.